Hello and welcome back to the Beta Sandwich Science Podcast, your source for news and trends in the molecular biosciences. This is episode number 99. We're almost to 100. Recorded August 10th, 2015. On this week's show, we're going to talk about muscle glue, as in the thing on rocks, not as in your arm. We're going to talk about microwaves, the thing you cook with. We're going to talk about an FDA drug thing. And we're going to learn some cool info about wacky tobacco and... Uh, whether you should care about that or not. Now, this is where you expect me to normally go, it's the regular crew here today, and blah, 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 blah. But not today. Guess who we have? Some of you older listeners might know who it is. Can we get a little taste of that sultry voice, Dr. Dell Jackson? Hi, everyone. Oh. <laughs> oh I just shiverooed. <laughs> Welcome back, Dell. So glad to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be in a place where people like me around. I'm not used yes. to this. And uh, uh, I, I'm still convinced that many people who, who have listened to all the shows, and a surprising amount of people have, I get emails fairly regularly saying how they people power through many of the episodes and they've gone through the past and stuff, and people ask about you. I'm convinced many people, because one of our last conversations on the show was a pretty heated conversation about um i think whether dna is going to be used to get you fired from your job or something and people think that we just probably had a falling out it was like a big (laughs) f you and we're moving on with our life um but not the case no i could never be mad at that big burly beard of yours (laughs) now i'm uh, not only am i shivering i'm blushing um no del and i are are bffs um, and uh, that is not the case. Dell has a wonderful child. He has a wonderful job, and Dell has a busy, normal human working life, and uh, it's made it very challenging for him to record at 7 a.m. on Sundays when we normally do, but uh, but now we're recording at night because I'm going to Japan next night week, and so anyways, welcome back, Dell, and hopefully we can make something work so you're on more regularly. Sounds good to me. Yeah, we also have Carolina Balkan, but you all know her as the blogger extraordinaire, Carolina's Kitchen. Hello, Carolina. Hello. And registered dietitian, of course. Everyone knows that you have wonderful food facts, and you're going to talk about microwaves tonight, right? And whether or not they destroy nutrients. Yes. Good to go. Uh, any new things on your food blog? Anything we need to know about? Yeah, I, uh, I there's a new steak recipe and a new steak frittata recipe using the leftovers. Both are very good. What's a frittata? Clever. A frittata is kind of like an omelet, but you don't fold it in half. That's how I describe it. It's like an open-faced omelet. Yes, you broil it to finish. Ah, uh, uh, Christian is not here tonight. Uh, he had a music lesson that ran late. Everyone knows me. Hopefully, by this point, I am Scott Barnett. I'm a PhD candidate in cell molecular pharmacology, at the University of Nevada, and that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Um, well, shoot, Dell. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, you have a new child. You've got a job. I mean, is everything just, like, moving along? I mean, uh, the, the listeners are dying to know. Oh, they're uh, going to be horrendously let down. It's uh, nothing too exciting. Work is going well. Family life is going well. Um, for those of you who have had a child, you probably know the uh, tunnel vision you get, at least in the first 10 months or so, but... Uh, the wife and I are coming out of it now, feeling a little bit more normal. Actually, watched some TV lately. You know, oh, what's, what's, like a, what's been your show of choice? Uh, well, we finished up Game of Thrones, and then we 
started True Detective. We're like two episodes into True Detective. Two shows I've tried to get into, and I have not been able to on either one of them. Well, how about I'll watch them for you, tell you all about them. You watch all the other ones, tell me about those. It'll be so effective. (laughs) It will be awesome. Uh, Well, yeah, we'll have like official write-ups. Can you give me an abstract for this week's (laughs) Game of Thrones? Uh, I just got back from Switzerland. Uh, oh, I was there, there for work, and actually, movies. I watched uh, more movies on the two international flights um, than I have in the last two years. So. so, was it the same with you? Fun fact about um, an Australia seven forty seven flight: yeah. they have like fifty movies to choose from that you can pick on your back of your seat, and they're yeah. like all new. I watched the new yeah. Mad Max, yep. like still in movie theaters. Yes. Did you say What'd you theater? Watch? Did you? Did I catch a? Th- I normally do a theatre, <laughs> oh, but I wanted okay. to bring it down to your level. Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> theater, we've done watch a moving a moving picture with the talkies in the theater. <laughs> Thank you. Now I understand. Now I know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, so you had a good time there for work and uh, yeah. watched lots of movies. Yep. And Lovely brought lots indeed. of chocolate home for everyone. Oh, of course. You got to do that. You got to do that. I am going to Japan next week, although by the time you're listening to this episode, I will have already returned. That's the magic of delayed publishing. Uh, not for work. It's strictly for pleasure. My oh. t- two brothers, my wife, and my father and I, that felt grammatically incorrect in several ways. We're going there to ride motorcycles. Uh, we all have our motorcycle licenses. We're going to pick them up in Tokyo, and we're no going to spend way. a week traveling around the countryside and the ocean side, and we're going to head back up and um, and uh, see how that works out. So go team. We'll have a safe time. Yeah, it will be a lot of fun, I think. Um, you know, what could go wrong? I've only ridden a motorcycle one other time in my life, and I'm going to the world's busiest city driving on the wrong side of the road. This will go just swimmingly, won't it? What, what about Dharma? Dharma, believe it or not, she rode across country on a motorcycle. I don't think she's the one we need to worry about. Good. Go team. Ride with her. Get in her sidecar. Oh, that would be so cute. <laughs> she's always said that. I'm always like, I'll get, we'll get a sidecar. A little, like, I think they call it a monkey car or something like that. And um, and she, it, I'm assuming, hopefully none of you know my wife. Um, not because she's not a wonderful person, because it would be kind of creepy. Um, she, Besides the host, I'm going on a tangent here. She's a very strong-willed individual, and uh, she is not the type of person to ride in um, in the monkey seat. <laughs> but and, you, uh, on she's the other made hand. that perfectly here. Me, on the other hand, uh, I am perfectly comfortable in the monkey seat. <laughs> not a problem. So, well, cool, Dell. We're really glad to have you here. And um, you know, I think Carolina. Um, at this point in the show, I think we just have one option do you know what option do you remember what that option is i think i know i think i'm pretty good at it and what is that science blast dell dell do it do it I think your puke gun got a little dust on it in the intervening months, Dale. You need to brush that off, punch the bore. It's like a muscle. I got to work it. (laughs) You guys have really improved that, though. Like, that was much better. (laughs) That's not typical. Oh, God. (laughs) 
All right, let's talk about some science. Uh, so many stories here. Okay, I'll start with a short one. Um, a team at Scripps Research Institute, which is probably a fabulous place to work. It's in La Jolla, California, which is in between San Diego and L.A. Have either of you been to La Jolla before? Yes. Yes, and no yeah, Scripps Institute. Quite. There are Ferrari dealerships. It is a right on the ocean. It is a, it's pretty much the perfect place to live, I imagine. And um, uh, that is where this institute is located. But they're not just out there surfing. They're hard at work. And they discover something pretty cool about tobacco. Um, there is a bacteria that grows in the soil of tobacco fields called Pseudomonas pituda bacteria, one of the easier ones to pronounce. And uh, the bacteria lives in the soil, you know, where they grow it. And inside of it, there's an enzyme that has been dubbed Little Pac-Man. It's not his official name, but for all intents and purposes, that is what it is doing because it searches out and consumes nicotine in the soil from the plant process and it digests it, turns it into nitrogen and carbon, what it needs to survive. And the purified enzyme that they can take from this is responsible for degrading nicotine completely. And what they did is they said, hey, well, let's take this enzyme. Um, we know that if we give nicotine to a person, it will filter through their system and it will actually last about three hours. Now, the concentrated super high effects of it don't last that long, but it will be in your system for three hours. So they gave a bunch of nicotine to a mouse uh, and then they injected the mouse with this enzyme. And it turns out it removed it pretty dang quickly. Uh, Rather than three hours in the mouse's system, it only lasted 15 minutes. And by the way, I've mentioned this before, but some mice get really good studies to be on and other mice get really horrible <laughs> studies. Like there's the Parkinson mouse study and then there's the how much cocaine does it take to kill a mouse study. <laughs> I'm just saying this isn't on the pantheon of mouse experiments. The nicotine in your blood one's probably a pretty decent one to be stuck on. Food for thought. Um, so when they did this, They've actually done a bunch more tests on it. They weren't too specific on if they've done it on humans yet, but um, the uh, but they said it's been very effective in the tests they've been doing. And, of course, what they're saying is, you know, if you were to try to quit smoking and you had this in your system, uh, this enzyme, it would you would still get withdrawal sy- symptoms, but, you know, um, even if you smoked a cigarette because you, you, you lost your willpower, you really wouldn't get any, like, sweet relief from the nicotine being sucked into your system here. And um, it kind of reminds me of, like, Anabuse. Have you guys heard of Anabuse? No. It's no. disulfiram. It's uh, If you are trying to abstain from alcohol, uh, you can take a pill. And what this pill does is it, it's it's the same end result, but it does the actually opposite thing. It inhibits an enzyme called acetylhyde dehydrogenase. And when you drink booze, it is first converted into um, uh, uh, aldehyde. And that's what gives you your hardcore hangover symptoms. But you have a removal system for this aldehyde called acetaldehyde dehydrogenase. As the name suggests, it converts acetylhydride into something else. And it helps remove it from your system. So if you don't have this enzyme working and you drink alcohol, you pretty much instantly get a hangover and you feel like shit. Uh, oh, bad word. Um, you feel like bad stuff. And so it, it's it, if you take this pill, it's, in, in, it's meant to prevent it. But I honestly don't understand like what the point of this enzyme. A, how are you getting an enzyme into your system, right? Like I don't think you could eat it because most enzymes that go through your stomach generally are going to be rendered inoperable because of the right. pH change. Um, and even if they get into your intestine, if you have a delayed release version of this, like, um, then how's it getting into your bloodstream? So are you supposed to inject yourself 
every day with this and hope the enzyme stands out? And do you really just want a free-roaming enzyme that may not have 100% specificity for nicotine just floating around your veins every day? Like, and how long would it actually be there? you got to filter that pretty quickly. You have to do, like, a daily injection to quit smoking. I don't think this would realistically be a plausible option for someone trying to quit. I don't know. Did you take a look at the primary source for this? I did not. No, because it was... They found it in the soil of the tobacco fields. Yeah, that's what I. That's what, at least what the article I read says. Oh, so I wonder. So this bacteria then, where they're growing tobacco, is out there consuming nicotine. Yeah, yeah. But, but kind I, of. I wonder if it, is it attacking the plants. I wonder if it's like a bad bacteria, because I would imagine people wouldn't want. Kind of like it farmers. wants to find the source of the th- most nicotine, basically. So it would yeah. try to get in the plant. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's a soil bacteria, so I would imagine. Um, it might not live too well in a plant, but um, uh, we just don't know because I didn't do the research. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, it's kind of a moot point because I just don't see how you would make this work. It, see, people take an abuse because it's pretty much court-ordered or because their life is so fallen apart through alcohol and they don't have the will the willpower to stop that like this is to them their only option and that's a great option if that's where you are and this actually helps you good for you but smoking doesn't work you don't normally lose your job and lose your life because of smoking yeah. it's a 30 year death you know what i mean and so so i don't think people are motivated enough to be going through whatever extremes they have to to keep this in their system uh, just to quit smoking i think they're just going to skip their shot and enjoy their sweet sweet tobacco you know you're probably right about that. <laughs> All right. That's the shorter of the three, so we should probably get rolling here. Um, Carolina, I am super excited to hear about microwaves because this is something people talk about, and I, um, I'm i curious to know because I don't have any answers here. Yeah, well, you know, I hear almost on a daily basis people tell me they, they don't use microwaves and, you know, they drink green juices and, like, raw food and non-GMO stuff. So I looked a little bit into it. Um and when you look at, at at how microwaves work, they basically mi- microwaves themselves are uh, waves that are uh, in frequency between uh, radio waves and infrared waves on the electromagnetic spectrum. They're at um, generally at 2450 megahertz. And at this frequency, they are absorbed by water, fats and sugars in food. Um, they are reflected off of metal, so they're contained in the microwave oven. Uh, microwaves were invented uh, during World War II, and they've since been used to heat up food very quickly. They actually they heat food a lot faster than other conventional heating methods. And Can I say one thing about the containing, though? Sure. I don't think any microwave contains that well, not because I don't believe in the physics behind them being contained, but I have a Bluetooth headset I wear a lot. It's not in case you have a mental image everyone it's not one of the ones with the big like boom arm that comes down it just goes in my ear it looks more like a hearing aid I'm not sure if that's a better image but um in any case anytime someone runs the microwave and I'm walking by it completely cuts out like <laughs> I will drop whatever I'm doing so microwaves are getting out what sorry for, <laughs> you must have a pretty... sorry for the digression but uh, I is know this, some is this are any out. microwave or is this one particular microwave pretty much any microwave wow okay yeah I imagine there's an acceptable amount of spill out rate but mm-hmm. if it's enough to bl- completely destroy a bluetooth signal it can't be nothing yeah so, no anyways. no it, it is it is a little bit of something and and the fda recommends not standing right in front of the microwave staring at your food <laughs> it's perfectly you safe 
nothing gets out, but don't stand by the microwave. Yes. Wouldn't that be crazy, though, if it started boiling some of the water in your face or something? Um, that's got to be super unpleasant. God, you are macabre. Well, that's generally not how people get burned with microwaves. Generally, people get burned because uh, sometimes if you boil water in there, uh, the water will be above boiling point but isn't actually moving around. And as soon as you go to touch it, it can shoot out of the, the cup. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because of the, the it's, yeah, hyperheating it up. Yes. Um, there's no nucleation side. I used to have a thing when I was a kid where, like, I would, my brain would kind of, like, like, I would think of movies and all these things I wanted to do. And I always thought when I was a kid it would be cool if you cut a hole in the front of the microwave and like rather than you know like all like in the, the mob movies where they'll like pull your fingernails off or like put a drill into your hand or something they should duct tape your hand into a microwave i had the same thought did you really yeah <laughs> great minds think alike right because you could totally see him being like you know where's the where are the drugs johnny yeah. and he's like you know, screw you buddy and then they're like 30 seconds and then he's like ah <laughs> wow Yes, I totally thought the same thing. When Try I was recovering from that, Elena. All the nutrients in his hands would be completely gone, right? Well, <laughs> and, all the and any any form it. any form of cooking will destroy nutrients to some extent. But the the factors that mostly affect how much nutrient gets retained in a food is the amount of water that you're using to cook it in, uh, the temperature you're cooking it at, and how long you're keeping it in there. So if you compare it to something like boiling or or even uh, steaming a food, microwaves are actually very uh, efficient at uh, retaining nutrients because you don't need to put the food in water to heat it up since um, the water within the food will absorb the uh, the microwaves and those waves are directly converted to atomic motion and will be, they call it heating the food from the inside out, but that's not exactly true. Um, the microwaves do penetrate the food, but they don't cook from the inside out. They sort of cook all at once the food anyway. So microwaves cook foods relatively quickly. So many of most of the nutrients are retained. Um, so right, versus like a slow cooker, like you probably 24 hours at, 180 degrees probably does a lot of harm, I imagine, to nutrients. Yes. So this whole, this the, basically, I think people are concerned that some, some radiation is getting into their food and remaining in their food, but that's just not the way it works. Uh, you are producing some some byproducts or some new, I, I, they, they call them like, a, oh, what's the word for it? They're, they're different compounds that are formed when you heat up a food. Uh, just, just like if you're grilling something, you get a little bit of that char and the taste of the food changes. So you are getting some different substances in there, but nothing that's going to be any more harmful for you than any other cooking method. Yeah, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what radiation is. You know, people think of like x-rays and stuff and all oh, that gives you cancer. So maybe it's giving you cancer because it's screwing up your DNA, which, by the way, when you eat food that has DNA that's been screwed up, it's just being completely destroyed by your stomach and intestines anyway. So that has no real play on it. So that's not it. And then the other type of dangerous radiation are alpha and beta particles. Alpha are, 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 uh, are um, um, uh, what, neutrons and protons, are protons, free protons, and free neutrons are beta. And those can get on your skin. Those can get in your lungs. Those can cause damage. That's why you have to wear masks and stuff when you go into nuclear areas. But this is not emitting alpha or beta rays, and it's not even doing anything super dangerous like gamma or x-rays. This is a fairly mildly neutral, uh, you know, uh, 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 high radio wave or low uh, microwave. So, yeah, it's a, I think it's just a 
people hear radiation and they get scared, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. So, so one concern that is somewhat valid is the concern about uh, the, the container that you're using to cook your food in. Uh, people are concerned about uh, plastics leaching into their food. So if a plastic contains some BPA or some of these other like uh, uh, phthalates that could leach into their food, that, that could be a concern. So I have a quiz for you guys. Um, what are the two safest containers to microwave your food in? Glass. Glass is one. And... A human skull. Sapphire. <laughs> ceramics. So glass sapphire. and ceramics are your top two I bet choices. sapphire would be pretty safe. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, so quiz continues. Um, tell me yes or no for whether the following... Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes or no whether these are safe to microwave in. Uh, if you reuse a yogurt container, can you microwave something in that? No. Yes. No, don't do that. That is made to be a single-use plastic. Uh, it is not made to withstand heat. It can melt in the microwave. How about is that? Is that why I got man boobs from all the BPA <laughs> acting like <laughs> acting like it's the it's the plastic container's fault. It's not my lifestyle choices. Okay. Now I don't know of anybody who would heat their food in this, but um, a wicker bread basket. I would. Oh, I could totally, I would totally throw, if I had like Wait, a piece of bread in there and, and all not? the plates were dirty, yes. I would yes. totally toss it in there. Yes, safe, safe. Okay, how about a brown lunch bag? Wait, safe. why does it have to be brown? Okay, oh. I'm just referring to a, oh God, <laughs> <laughs> shit, look what happened. Jeez, that's two S-bombs yes. in one show. <laughs> no, no, it can catch on fire. Oh, what? Yeah. I know, gonna, I know. Hold on, I'm going to do, I'm going to flambe. <laughs> Flambe something in your microwave oven. You gotta take some precautions. I uh, am going to record to a brown paper newspaper. bag in there. Don't, I don't think it would catch on fire. It probably wouldn't, but it could. It pro- yeah, you're not really because, making a strong argument then. Well, I know. I think. I think it's. I think it's BS. Too. Maybe all the fat. Maybe if like the fats from your food, if you had like a piece of pizza in there, leach through, and then those fats mm-hmm. get really hot, and then mm-hmm. it ignites the paper. Maybe I don't know because I. I remember as a kid always being told that you can like microwave popcorn kernels in a in a lunch bag and make popcorn that way. Oh. I sense a, a beta sandwich Mythbusters episode. Oh yes, <laughs> we are gonna test this out. Okay, how about wax paper? No, no. Yes, actually, wax oh. paper and parchment paper have a uh, high heat tolerance. Okay, so that's what you sound like when you lie. <laughs> Not lying. <laughs> how about a Chinese takeout container? Why does that have to be Chinese? <laughs> I'm getting to the other uh, food types in just a second. Yes. <laughs> no. No, it's got a little metal handle thing. Well, I would take the metal handle off. But aren't they also, don't they have like a thin plastic sheet on it? Like, yes. I don't even know if I would. Yeah, yeah I'm sure there's more than one reason why that's not safe. How about a Pyrus me- uh, Pyrex measuring cup? Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Oh. Pyrex is heat resistant glass. So any kind of Pyrex. A measuring cup. Come on now. <laughs> Well, safety-wise, it would be fine. How about styrofoam? No. Generally, no. There are some styrofoams that are microwave-safe. Fun fact, kitties: if you've never tried this before, you can take styrofoam in the form of those little peanuts or a styrofoam container you have, take some nail polish remover, <laughs> apply to said styrofoam, magic happens. What kind of li- like liability insurance does the show carry nowadays? I'm guessing it's got to be pretty high because... Uh-huh. The, uh, it's higher oh, than that, our salary, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> the um, Yeah, it's true. The Beta Sandwich Science Podcast does not <laughs> recommend you pour acetone on 
stuff. Although nothing really bad happens, it just melts it. Well, not that we've done that in lab before with pure acetone. <laughs> okay, you guys, you're getting me off trap. Uh, plastic wrap. Yes. yes. Yes, as long as it's not touching the food. If it's touching the food, it could melt. Uh, paper plate. Yes. Yes. And how about a coffee traveler mug? No. Wait, is it metal or ceramic? Uh, it depends. Right, so you got to check. Check the bottom, see if it's microwave safe. Oh, trick question. Yeah. I'm still thinking about Dell's sapphire <laughs> cooking containers at home. You're doing a lot better than I thought you were. Oh, <laughs> well, well, that work. You got to do something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so bottom line is uh, to be safe, microwave your foods in glass or ceramic. Um, don't be concerned about losing nutrients in your food if you're going to cook them. Uh, if you're going to cook some food, microwaves are a good choice. Uh, I will give one microwave tip, which I learned from Alton Brown. You guys know Alton Brown? Oh, yes. Good eats, right? What he teaches, and you guys may know this from watching the show, is if you take a wet paper towel and you put raw asparagus in it with a little olive oil and you cook it for like a minute. I don't remember the exact time. You can Google it. Uh, in the microwave, it's like the perfect way to cook asparagus because all of the water inside of the asparagus um, – steams basically and you're steaming it from the inside out and if you boil asparagus you'll see that all that water turns green and you're losing a lot of those uh, those minerals and those the, the whatever good nutrients asparagus has and uh, this way it keeps all of them in there and they're delicious so um, huh. if you have a grill that's really the best way to do it but this is number two I'll try that out I have one more tip uh, if you have a kitchen sponge if you microwave it for mm -hmm. two minutes it will and then kill. throw it on your wife's face. <laughs> Don't. <My God. laughs> wildly, wildly inappropriate, Del. <laughs> You're making your liability insurance costs go way higher, way higher. He's like, not my podcast. He's like, do it. <laughs> <sighs> well, without the throwing it at your wife's face part, uh, microwaving uh, a wet sponge for two minutes at a thousand watt power will kill 99% of coliforms, E. coli, MS2 phages, and Bacillus cereus spores are killed at four minutes of microwave time. And I, like, get the microwave wet it. first, by the way. I do it. Wet your Get the sponge wet first yes. um, and then microwave it. And the main reason I do it is not for the bacteria because I don't really care about that. I'm assuming I'm going to be fine. It's because uh, if you have a stinky sponge, it kills all the odors. It's like a brand new sponge again. Yep. So there's your kitchen tips. Be well, a beta sandwich. Fine. Nice. Huh? Okay. Thanks, right. Carolina. Lots to, Oops, lots course, to think about there. Lots to think about. Um, should I, we do the fun muscle story first or the heavy FDA story first? Uh, we've had a lot of fun. Muscle. Yeah, we've, had a, we've had a lot of fun. Let's do something heavy. End okay, then we'll go to fun. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, this is heavy, but it's important, and it's, we'll try to make it interesting. So don't just tune out right now. <laughs> I did a really good job selling this segment. People are just going to hit fast forward. So the FDA just this week lost a lawsuit that could change how really all drugs are regulated in this country here. In the, the Federal District Court of the Southern District of New York, uh, it was ruled that the FDA can't, can't bar drug companies from marketing a pill for off-label use as long as the claims are truthful. Is that, did you guys hear that? So the FDA cannot bar a drug company from marketing a pill for a, lab, for a use that is not 
been proven to be safe or efficacious by the FDA as long as their claims are truthful. There's heavy quotes on the word truthful there, but that is what the actual thing here said. So let me go back up a little so bit here. It's off, no, off-label use. Off-label use. They can say whatever they to want market to it. as long yes. as there's truth to it. As long as it's truthful. So and, do they have uh, to go through like the same, I suppose you're going to talk about it. I will talk about it, but you're asking the right questions, and I, I applaud your enthusiasm. <laughs> so there was an Irish company, there is an Irish company called Amerin Pharma, and they have a fish oil uh, derived drug called uh, Vasepa. And now it has been, um, uh, it has already been approved for the FDA for some uses regarding the heart. Um, the company asked the court to stop the FDA from enforcing the off label marketing of it for other uses outside of what the FDA has already agreed it can be used for. And what this means is that Amer- uh, Amerin can give doctors and other, um, uh, and others, so you and me, just normal consumers, other, again, heavy quotes, truthful accounts of medical studies of the drug for reducing moderately high blood fats, even though the FDA has not approved it for such use here, right? Now, the key term here, which I keep getting back to, is truthful accounts. You know, Ameren uh, has claimed that uh, they were being prevented from, I gotta love this, people always go with this, they were be, they claimed they were being prevented from exercising their First Amendment rights, which is free speech. In essence, they're claiming that they have the right to say whatever they want as long as it's truthful because we have the right to say what we want in America uh, as long as it's truthful, and um, the FDA was preventing them from doing that. And the court agreed with Amera, and they said, okay, if, there, if you have facts to back up what you're saying, you can say essentially what you want about your drug as long as you can back it up to both doctors and to to consumers. Um, and there's nothing the FDA can do about it because the facts are out there. So a couple real big problems with this, as some of you might have figured out already. First, what is truthful, right? There are countless dubious and poorly conducted studies out there that lack proper controls and methodology. And these are published all the time. And these could very easily be interpreted as truthful depending on who you wanted to talk to. You know, just Google whether GMO crops cause cancer or a vitamin C can cure cancer or if echinacea prevents the common cold. And you will find unending heaps of quote unquote research that supports those studies. The other problem with truthful is that even if like good studies are published in good peer reviewed journals, they do not necessarily reflect kind of a translational medicine. You know, in other words, you know, I can publish a well-conducted study that shows that extract from plant X stops proteins from ad- aggregating in like cultured neurons or something, or even a mouse models for we'll say like Alzheimer's, but that by no means can be translated to say that this chemical from Plant X prevents or treats Alzheimer's. But in essence, that's what our, uh, our, this uh, Amerin is trying to say. If we can pre- present a study that, that demonstrates that our facts are true, then we can say whatever we want about our drug. The whole purpose of the FDA was created for this very reason. They established rules for determining safety and efficacy of drug claims. That's why they are there. And and so it blows my mind that a court would say, oh, okay, you're fine, because the people who put together the FDA knew that it's very hard to regulate these things, and that's why it takes 10 years to get a drug to market, because there are so many things that look good on paper, but just don't happen in real life, and and the FDA needs to be there to account for that and to ensure people are putting safe drugs out there. You know, If this ruling sticks, it's going to it's going to determine whether or not these companies are, you know, or my question is, 
who is going to determine if these companies are distributing truthful information? You know, are, is that going to fall back on the courts? Do you guys remember when the Supreme Court ruled that, like, this whole thing regarding the gene patents? Based on their ruling, you know, they said you can't patent a gene, but what they also said in there was that they um, that, that that cDNA was a patentable substance because it was not created by the body. And it really shows you that even the Supreme Court, with all of their resources, really didn't wrap their head around what cDNA is and how it is every bit is is part of the gene the genome in in in, in a in a not maybe not it doesn't exist in the genome but it or in in the body but it is part of the genome's cycle or not cycle part of its uh uh, uh it's the same information is the right way to say that but they didn't really get that and so who's going to do this you know i don't understand you know how we can expect the courts to interpret these these complex studies and and i don't know to me this just seems like a disaster waiting to happen am i am i blowing this out of proportion no way you're absolutely right and it's just shocking to me because the supplement regulation has been such a huge mess and this is basically moving the regulation of drugs more towards the way that supplements are regulated uh, absolutely and it, to me it's even worse i mean now it's with supplements they have the very specific thing to say that this cannot be used to treat cure or diagnose diseases which plenty of people just ignore. They assume if it's in a bottle and it's got a fancy label, it must be great. Um, but at least it has that on there. It sounds like with this ruling, you could even go so far as to say, we have studies that show that this will that this will treat cancer. Um, I, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to with this because you here's my study. I put it on these cells. Cancer goes away. Therefore, I can tell people it, it treats cancer. So... Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Maybe we don't have the full story here. But from what I read, this is really kind of the the gate open. And now this is the first ruling. I'm sure it will be appealed and all that fun stuff. And hopefully, calmer and more intelligent minds will prevail here. But I I, I don't know. I like. That. I mean, this is a long. Not to make this a political discussion, but if you're familiar with the Citizens United ruling of the Supreme Court years ago, that basically said that corporations are people. And so they have the rights to influence the political process. This is sort of saying that the First Amendment right applies to a company. That's so a really good a comparison. Seems like this. I mean, the same improper use of uh, applying protections normally afforded to citizens to corporations. And it, it's kind of been one of the, for good or for bad. Now, I think what I like about our political system, even though I hate politics, is that. It, Republican or Democrat, uh, assuming if you want to go to those two ends, they keep each other in balance ultimately. If one, we only had one political system, it would kind of just tailspin off into whatever direction that that completely one-sided group wanted. So the nice thing about our process is that you continually have the two sides fighting and we inch very slowly in one way to the other. That's very bad if you're looking at something for like gay rights or something that takes 50 years to get something like that turned over. But it also prevents other crazy stuff from from being changed immediately that would be really uh, negative. And so the process is good in, in in that sense. But the GOP, you know, again, not a political podcast, but, you know, they're always pushing for less government. And it sounds like this is really what this is. Again, don't let the lo- government regulate. Stop government regulations, you know, over. And this is really there one more stop government regulating thing. But the FDA was created for a very specific reason, and it does a very hard job. And uh, and a very necessary job. So it seems strange to me that someone would be pushing this agenda. Yeah, I, I mean, their off-label use is 
fairly common. I mean, I've talked to my wife, she's a pharmacist. And I mean, there are a lot of cases where doctors will prescribe a drug that we wouldn't know could be used for for a, another condition. So, so I mean, that's already happening. I, I think the difference is, is like right now you only see Viagra like advertised for ED. You don't see it advertised for anything else if it helps you like your skin tone or something. Right. And so, but if it was ever discovered that that was the case, doctors would be prescribing it for the off label use. They would. But the nice thing about, I mean, in a perfect world, about the physicians taking their own, making their own decision to do something off label is that they have a tremendous amount of information available to them and they have a medical degree to really understand the ins and outs in a perfect world i understand not everyone does that and but that's in a perfect world here this would allow them to it says to do uh, off-market labeling to physician and others it just says others so i'm assuming that's the general public who is not able to discern these sort of things and beyond that yes this is a very this seems like a very simple case oh it's a fish oil drive drug it's a natural thing basically we've isolated it and and it does this and it's for another thing that helps your heart and and it all seems like a really nice like like good case for off-label use. This but, I don't understand though, because it's fish oil is not a prescription drug. Yeah, it's a drug derived from fish oil, so oh. I'm, it, it's probably been modified. Um, oh, okay. And uh, but this is a very easy one where it's not that people wouldn't think too weird things about it. But then who knows what's coming down the pipeline? Every supplement, every whatever in their mom is going to come out and trying to market it as something that is efficacious when there might not be good research to to back that up so as we've already seen with with uh, a lot of the dubious medicines out there that are being currently forced under the supplement laws maybe they would have a case to say more about it now because they don't have to uh, they can just pull out their study and say see i got a study this drug is great you know so i don't know well keep us updated I will keep it updated because this one annoys me. So I'm hoping that <laughs> what I've read on it has been a little bit oversimplified. And I wanted to have Aaron Miller on the show tonight. He's our resident uh, patent lawyer we've had on the show a couple times. Aaron's real good about this stuff. So if you're listening, Aaron, and you have your two cents on this, and if I got this a little bit wrong based on the articles I've read, it was a Wall Street Journal article. So I, I hopefully they've done their, their background on this. Um, and it's not going into the science, so I've trusted them to do their their. Uh, law research on this but uh in any case if you have thoughts on this uh aaron please please let us know and we'll have you on or we'll just or any lawyer that might be listening to our show out of you know the tens and tens of people listening (laughs) you've been off too long Dale. we have two thousand subscribers oh that's just your mom with multiple accounts (laughs) (laughs) hi scott's mom dare you sir <laughs> all right um so we'll leave the boring one out here and we're going to move on to what is a pure science fun one uh but it's pretty cool i never knew anything about this and as a matter of fact most people didn't know about this till very recently here so we're talking about muscles as in m-u-s-s-e-l-s is there an e-s oh i, I never I, was good oh sorry hey. Dell. i don't <laughs> fast forward fast forward <laughs> No, these are good muscles. So listen, so we all know that muscles and a lot of uh, um, other type of clam-type creatures, that's the technical term, they're very good at sticking to, like, rocks in the bottom of boats and stuff. As a matter of fact, you need, like, some significant force to remove them. 
we didn't really know why that was that way. The fact is it's really hard to stick stuff together underwater, particularly seawater because of all the salts and stuff in seawater. We're not very good at making stuff that just sticks to it. Um, mussels have figured this out, no problem whatsoever, and it turns out we have a solution to it and someone's able to do something with it. So when mussels want to stick to something, they secrete a mixture of these different adhesive proteins and they contain a couple different things that are very interesting so one of them is a high concentration of a protein that contains an amino acid called l-dopa um you thought there were only 20 amino acids but believe me there's quite a few more this is an unusual amino acid a fairly rare one here l-dopa if you didn't know it is a modified version of tyrosine and it is the precursor to the neurotransmitter dopamine. Uh, just a couple enzymes will take tyrosine and it will turn it into dopamine. This is uh, very common in, in, in neurology. So um, what L-DOPA is, is so oh, I should say tyrosine, if you remember your molecular biology, the functional group of this amino acid is a benzene ring with a, an OH on it, a hydroxyl group, right? The difference between tyrosine and L-DOPA is that rather than having one hydroxyl group, one OH group. It has two OH groups right next to each other there. This is actually very important, a very important distinction, and I'll explain why in a second here. So so that's one thing it does. It has proteins with lots of L-DOPA amino acids uh, within that protein. The other thing the muscle uses to stick to the rocks, are, along with those proteins, are other proteins that have lots of lysines in them. Why lysines? So lysines are basic in solution. That means they have a, a net positive charge. They've stolen a hydrogen from outside uh, of the solution or from, from the solution and it goes to it and it has a positive charge. So what's so important about having a positive charge? Well, because it has a positive charge and because salt water has lots of uh, ions floating around in it, um, such as sodium and chloride and all this fun stuff, it is able to kind of act like a vacuum cleaner and suck off the... Um, suck off the the negatively charged ions the anions right to where it wants to stick and it's acting like a like a, a cleaning surface a surfacant to remove the ions on the surface that's really important because it's very hard to stick when you have lots of ions around so now comes in the second part of this um which is the the, uh, the catechol uh, which is the l-dopa um so these proteins with the catechol uh, now they they are able to hydrogen bond to the surface they're trying to stick to here um, remember, hydrogen bonding is a really strong uh, non-covalent bonding force here. And the reason, um, it's the reason like a small molecule like water, you know, boils at 100 degrees Celsius, while a similarly sized molecule like methane that is not hydrogen bond has a boiling point of minus 182 degrees Celsius. The reason you have a 100 or a 282 degree shift in boiling point is because those hydrogen bonds act, allow the water to stick together very, very well, and, and and so if we go back to this L-DOPA here, the uh, a hydrogen bond is an electrostatic interaction. So if you have like like a couple polar molecules, like water is a perfect example, and one of them has a hydrogen on it, and then the other one has a really electronegative molecule like nitrogen or oxygen or fluorine or one of those, upper right-hand corner of the periodic table, they'll form a hydrogen bond there, right? Um, and they are extremely strong without being covalent. The, the best way someone explained to me the difference between like a hydrogen bond and a covalent bond is if you take a um, like a, a tree and you want to split split a, a tree trunk. If you split it the easy way, the way you think of splitting a tree trunk, you know, right down the the grain structure, you are largely breaking hydrogen bonds here. All that force in the axe to break that in half is really only breaking hydrogen bonds, which are not covalent. If you turn the log on its side and you 
start trying to chop through it that way, it's a lot harder. Those are covalent bonds. But the hydrogen bonds are still very, very strong here. So if we go back to this whole uh, catechol thing here, the, the L-DOPA, what it's doing is those have, rather than the tyrosine, which has one OH group, hydrogen and oxygen, those are both important for hydrogen bonding, it has two. And it allows it to bond extremely strongly to the rockets doing in. So in essence, it's kind of a two-step structure here. We got to clean it off with the lysines where we're going to bond. And now we have these, uh, a lot of these OH groups uh, in the form of this modified amino acid to bind to the, um, to bind to the surface. And if that's not cool enough, people are actually beginning to use this. Companies are investigating ways to use, um, use Bio biologically derived proteins to form extremely strong glues that can be used underwater here. And they're in the initial phases here. There's no commercial products yet, but they're saying that it's working out extremely well. And so we may have a new, if you're in the marine industry or something and you need an extremely strong underwater adhesive, it looks like we might actually down the road have something that works pretty good here. So um, fun fact for the day, huh? That's really cool. I've never heard of a biological glue before. Indeed. There's actually a whole bunch of biological glues, but uh, this one is probably shaping out to be the strongest. I just liked it because they explained the actual real science behind what it's working here. And it's it's a, it's a pretty interesting, you know, a biochemical process that is using um, uh, using organic chemistry as its basis here. And I thought that was – it was super fun. That's awesome. So Del, I think – I mean, could they use blown. that? Could they oh, – totally. Totes, bro. I just <laughs> <Totes>. recovered. <laughs> I wonder if they could use this understanding to make ships less receptive to barnacles and mussels. Oh, like in, in the paint they would salty, have... Make your boats out of salt. Figured it out. Brilliant. Okay, don't uh, don't air this podcast until I patent that idea. <laughs> until you patent that. <laughs> um, that's a really interesting question. If you, I think probably the main thing you could do is maybe you could create a substance that does not allow hydrogen bonding somehow. It is a surface that is is very uh, resistant to hydrogen bonding. Um, so you would have to have because you know most of these surfaces on boats are um, that you can't use copper most of the time, which would kill the organisms. The most marinas don't allow that anymore because it's too bad to all the other stuff in the in the marina. But they. Uh, you could anytime you have a polyurethane or you have a hydro uh, a hydrocarbon based coating, those are just chock full of hydrogen. So you need mm -hmm. something that's not with no hydrogens. And I think you would be darn tooting in a good position. Done. I'm not airing this because I just came up with a better idea. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's totally gonna take that idea if you air this. They are. So uh, that's that's my stories. I have one last little baby story. Yay! Little little mini one to finish us out. Unless you have a joke. Dell, you want to throw a, a, a hot sponge in this baby's face or put it in the microwave? Any other horrible thoughts you have right now you just this want to get off your chest? This one, this one just has a lot of potential. I'm just going to tell you. So this this comes from the August 4th edition of Cell Metabolism. Um, and I know in the past I've talked about white fat and brown fat on the show. Brown fat is good. Right. Brown fat is good. Uh, babies have brown fat. Adults generally don't. But brown fat is more metabolically active. What about adults active. with baby fat? It's brown, it's hey yes baby fat baby story adults don't have much brown fat or basically virtually none 
Um, but but scientists are pretty interested in brown fat because it, it burns a lot of calories. It has lots of mitochondria in it, which gives it its brown color. And so uh, these researchers from the University of Texas Medical Branch at Glaviston discovered that um, extreme stress in humans can actually convert white fat into more of a brown fat what? type structure. But by extreme stress, I don't mean like extreme work stress. You'll, you'll be thin, but you'll be dead from hypertension. No, it's worse. But you'll look great as a corpse. It's far, far worse, actually. The extreme stress that they're talking about is burn victims who've burned over 50% of their bodies. <laughs> so I That mean, is the world's worst diet plan, Carolina. <laughs> If you're, if you're desperate enough to lose some weight, you can sustain significant burns all over your body, and you will turn some of your white fat into brown fat. Now, researchers I, at least three things have been said on the show that I could see being played over a court record, like tape recorder, <laughs> during a trial. <laughs> My child well, burned his eyes with with acetone mixed with styrofoam. Uh, Sorry, please. Yeah. But anyway, so researchers are, are, are interested in studying the proof of concept uh, and finding basically the mechanisms that, that could be used to then develop drugs that mimic, mimic this uh, burn-induced effect. So, kind of interesting. That would be a better... That's better than the alternative. We don't have to go all Tibetan monk. Yeah, I was very skinny. interested in the story when I read the headline. Yeah, because I had always sure heard, you know, basically that, that that high stress will uh, increase the amount of cortisol you're secreting, and if you secrete cortisol in the presence of insulin, it just uh, basically helps your body store more fat. So it's sort of been very counterproductive for for weight loss or you know calorie burning. So I thought that they were saying that if you're really really stressed out, that actually has the opposite effect. But now they're talking about so in movies when they here. strap steaks to like a fat guy's leg to get him to run faster to lose weight that actually wouldn't work right what movies because... are you watching <laughs> <laughs> movies yeah he's nightmares movies. <laughs> you're all the same <laughs> no comment all right <laughs> okay all right this is a weird episode I, we're just so giddy to have dell back we are sorry audience we're, we're very excited <laughs> i brought jokes yes I, I've mentioned in the past that I've been scraping the bottle of the barrel recently, and believe me, um, we, are, we are pretty much done with the jokes. There are no more biology jokes to be had, and you'll understand when you hear these jokes. These are the best of what I could find, okay? Are you ready? Bring it on. Dell, you're supposed to laugh heartily after each of these, but heartily in a genuine sense, not the mocking tone I sense coming from you. <laughs> How... Is a dog and a marine biologist alike? One wags a tail and the other tags a whale. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can use that work. You don't even have to tell people it's from a guy you know. Just claim it your own. <laughs> so this one's a little. The next one's a little play on words. Um, you might not get it initially. It's a thinker. Okay. Is there a different? Is there a big difference between male and female anatomy? Just don't wait for the punchline. Let's pretend like we're having a conversation. Oh, okay. Is there a big difference between male and female anatomy? No. No. Oh, oh, you know, you're supposed to say, "Is there?" Sorry. Is oh. there? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We start the show. Okay. Okay. We're resetting this joke. 
hey guys, uh, did you ever wonder if there's a big difference between male and female anatomy? <laughs> Is, Is there? there? Yes, a vast difference. Uh, a vast difference. Vast difference. Wow. Vast difference. Yeah, you kind of have to read it. Okay. These, these were like remaining in the barrel, right? Of jokes. Yeah, this is the game of this is when you're doing like bingo and there's like two balls out of a hundred left. Okay. Like it's just what was left. Um okay. It gets better, don't worry. Which biochemicals wash up on beaches? Nucleotides. Oh there's tides. Yeah, uh, tides. Yeah. Wow, you I I don't understand this. Like you started with the decent one, went to mediocre, and just ended with like shouldn't have you gone the other way? There is one more, and I guarantee you, not only is it the best uh -oh. of the bunch, but uh -oh. I could have used this two months ago and been proud to have had it. Uh -oh. So uh, so uh, you we're simpatico, brother. We got Edge this. Of here. my seat. Okay. <laughs> what do you get when you cross a cow with an octopus? Say what? What? A visit from the ethics committee and an immediate withdrawal of your funding. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> come on. I thought that one was a pretty strong one. Did, I, did I ever ask you guys the one? No, I'm going to save this one. Never mind. Uh, we've, we've said enough questionable no. things on this show. The next episode. It's a hundredth episode. Yeah, no, no, no. We, we, yeah, we, we're... We got a whole special thing for the hundredth episode. Remember? Um, no. Okay. All right. All right. Well, you know, somebody's going to be offended, and and I apologize in advance. We've already um, said the sh word twice. Yes. What else could we do? We talked about throwing, like, attacking women with hot sponges and so I leave hands the show for a little bit. We can't say cuss words anymore. Hang on. No, all right. All domestic right. Domestic assault. What? <laughs> What has happened to this show? <laughs> it's like I don't We've even know you guys anymore. We've tightened things up just a bit. Wow. And it's all it's all kind of coming off the rails now. What I don't do want to lose our sponsors. What do you call an epileptic in a vegetable garden? Okay. This you're right. This <laughs> <laughs> It's I genuinely wish I didn't ask now. Uh, mm hmm Seizure salad. Uh. <laughs> That was not very sensitive. Nope. Sorry. Okay. I loved it. <laughs> so with that, with that, with that joke, I think that's it. Dell? Yeah? Do you want to say goodbye to the listeners? I can. It's hard to say goodbye, but I guess if I have to, I will. Goodbye. We didn't make you do a show recap. No, you didn't. You mean, were, you, were you ready you mean, for one? You mean like uh, you have just blasted your mind with a heavy dose of science courtesy of your beta sandwich team. Old man blast from the past comes in with a bang but has no stories of his own. Leaves on a whimper. Pac-Man doesn't just <laughs> chomp ghosts. Scripps discovered he has a taste for the nicotine in that wacky tabacky. And don't fear those microwaves. Use them the next time you have a hankering for delicious, full-nutrient kitchen sponge. Just don't cook it in a paper bag. <laughs> if you stayed awake during Scott's session on the FDA, losing the ability to block advertisement of off-label drug use, you'll soon be able to treat your cancer with your multivitamin. <laughs> Muscles just aren't for eating. They can also stitch your face shut after getting hit with a hot sponge. 
<laughs> if your mind was only partly blown, then turn in to our next 100th episode so we can blow the rest of it away. You had that chamber the whole time, and you are just going to let it go into the ether? I don't want to presume. I just don't know if I know you anymore, Del. Well, let's just edit out all the joke parts. I, I, well, I am going to do it because I feel like we trailed off for so long that we lost everyone. I'm going to cut that out and end with that. So yes. There will be one edit in the show here. All right. Thanks for listening. Facebook, Twitter, all that fun crap nobody cares about. Okay. Peace out. Bye. Bye.